everybody, Mike Dempsey here for Underdog Fantasy, who are handing out $1 million in giveaways on Super Bowl Sunday. All you need is a verified Underdog account to be eligible. So sign up for Underdog Fantasy and see if you win this Sunday. Underdog Fantasy, don't forget to use promo code 1010XL. Go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Dr. Moe, Dr. Larry, Dr. Curly, Dr. Herbie to surgery. Ah, yes. Everyone thought there was only three Three Stooges. There was actually five, right, with brother Joe Howard. And, of course, Shemp, kind of the oddball who always coined, why does everything always happen to me? Enter Dr. Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet. The man has gone rogue. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. What has happened to this man? The once lovable Herbie who would show up with the blue eyes and the blue blouse and the nicely coiffed hair and the Botox was working. The women wanted to be with him. The gentlemen wanted to be like him. Now, all of a sudden, it's like a midlife crisis and the guy's making so much bank from both college football and the National Football League, but that's not enough. Kirk Herbstreet now, or as I like to refer him as, Dr. Herbie. Because remember, four years ago, he told us there would be no college football season. He put himself ahead of the doctors. He put himself ahead of science, telling us that there would be no football. That was the expert, uh, Dr. Herbie. But the whole Florida State thing has been told, right? And for the most part, it's over until he brings it up again. On Twitter, right? And he called the Florida State fan base or a portion of it lunatic fringe. And and that's just absurd. Florida State fans are pissed. Whether you're an 80-year-old woman or a 12-year-old boy, they're pissed. Don't try to double back and say a lunatic fringe. Stick with it. Own with it. I've already voiced my opinion on it. But let's get to the blockbuster story that has come down today, which in my opinion is a fireable offense. For Dr. Herbie, if you have not heard, it came forward today. Let me find the source. It's a, it's a Georgia Bulldog-based uh, website, okay? One of the, you know, every, every school's got three or four, you know, used to have beat writers from papers, right? They're gone now. You know, the Florida Times Union, they don't send anyone over there. The Orlando Sentinel doesn't send anyone to Gainesville or Tallahassee, or maybe they do to Gainesville. I don't know. I don't pay for that wall crap. I mean, it's it's everywhere. But it's now, you know, a bunch of kids graduated from the school. They're big football fans. They, 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 they form their own little uh, entity, and they've received some backing. And, you know, the information can be pretty good. I think they work hard. Um, in every college, every major college has three or four different websites that, that they trust and that they lean on. Well, today it has come forward that the major switch with the young quarterback, the five-star, Dylan Rayola, who was all set to go to Georgia, 
according to his dad, he told, and, and I will find the source of the newspaper or the internet site. Um, I, I thought when I took a screenshot here that I had it. I don't. I apologize. I'll, I'll find out where that came from coming up here in just a couple of moments. But his dad was asked today, Dominic Rayola, and this is exactly what he said, and I quote, I'll bring up one guy's name. His name is Kirk Herbstreit. When he saw the smoke about Dylan uh, entertaining Nebraska, he was like, call me. He was like, dude, if this is true, he's got to do it. His affinity for Nebraska, for a guy like that, to tell me to get behind him, you know, I knew he needed to do it. But I wasn't going to sit here and say, you need to go change that place or be a part of of the change of that place. So when Kirk told me that, you know, I was like, man, I had other coaches reach out and say, the place is special. Coach Rule is a special leader. All right, there's much more involved with the story. Let's get straight to it. He's a college football analyst. He's an in-game analyst who also doubles down in the NFL and is part of the game day mess. Right, because frankly, it's it's become a mess. Uh, sidebar story: Nick Saban added to ESPN's game day. Uh, that announcement came down uh, this afternoon as well. So you're going to have uh, Reese Davis, who's a total fraud. You're going to have Doctor Herbie, who not only sells the propaganda, but again has gone completely rogue. You've got Lee Corso, who I. I don't know why they walk him out there anymore. I mean, I, I just don't. He, he he was great for that show. He was great for decades. He's just, we, are, we all get older, right? I mean, you can boot out Brent Musburger. You can boot out Vern Lundquist. You can boot out Johnny Miller. You can boot out Phil Sims. You can boot out guys when they get older. But for one reason, it's like, oh, no. Lee Corso is sacred. It's, it's really kind of sad to watch him up there. And I say that in a respectful way because he's been very good, right? But he shouldn't be there. And then what else do you got? You got Desmond Howard, who's never once gone against the home team or against the home fans. Now I guess you got Pat McAfee, uh, who is in. So Herb Street does offer up opinions, which is kind of the new wave of, uh, I guess, where we are. I'd like to say journalism, but this is anything but journalism. Uh, this is agenda-driven Material by Dr. Herbstreit. Georgia fans, I cannot imagine what you are thinking about right now. You were pushed to the back burner, even after winning 29 straight games. There's no doubt, even though you lost to Alabama on a bad call. We all remember what happened on that. Is it a catch? Wasn't it a catch? You're never going to win a call, even if you're Kirby Smart, even if you're back-to-back champions in the world of college football. You're never going to win a call against Nick Saban with a big game on the line. And we all know that that changed the entire complexion of the game. Bama won. They won late. You didn't get in. Georgia was the best team this year in college football. Okay? Georgia beats Michigan. Georgia beats Washington. That's just my opinion. We didn't have it because we have a four-team college football playoff. But all the rage was Florida State. That was everything because they were undefeated. Kind of left, you know, crumbs on the table, if you will, was Georgia. You guys won 29 in a row. And your opinion was voiced. It wasn't heard. 
not nearly enough. Now, after dealing with that, I can't even think about how heated you are to find out that one of the most prominent, one of the most influential voices in all of sports, certainly college football, is picking up the phone to call the daddy of the five-star who has been a verbal commitment to Georgia and is telling him, go to Nebraska? I'm sure things like this have happened before, okay? Problem is we're not aware of it. We don't know of it. Um, At least I'm not aware of it. This is wrong. What Kirk Herbstreet did by saying Florida State should not get in to the Final Four is fine. That's his opinion. And most of you agree with it. That is what he is there for. That's his opinion. That was Reese Davis's opinion. That was Paul Feinbaum's opinion. Joe Tessitore, during the broadcast against Louisville, was openly rooting for Texas to get in, openly rooting for Alabama to get in. That's fine. That is their opinion. And actually, to some extent, they probably did overdo it. Certainly the in-game broadcast. And I get it. It was one of the ugliest games we had ever seen. There was no offense on either side, and Florida State won that game. Um, because of their defense. Nonetheless, Herb Street said it, and you live by it. But this, picking up the phone in his power, in his presence, to call a recruit's dad and say, back out of Georgia and go to Nebraska, I think it's a fireable offense, in my opinion. We'll see what happens. Here's my guess. He'll lie. Grown men lie daily. Grown men in power lie daily. Look at Roger Goodell with his address a couple of days away. I can't wait to hear Jay Monahan next month at the Players. He's already got his lies scripted when he's going to be asked about the merger and he's going to be asked about money and blood money. and lo- I mean, Jay Monahan's going to have everything written right there in front of him. He's got to lie, right? Uh, grown men in power lie. I'm not going to get into politics. My guess is Kirk Herbstreet is going to deny this. Even Paul Feinbaum just did an interview and came out. Let me find this. This is really interesting. Here's a quote from Feinbaum. I guess he was, uh, was he, he was on the McAfee show. Let me see here. Paul Feinbaum, yada, 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 yada. Um, all right. Here's what McAfee said. I believe this was on Feinbaum. Quote. From Paul Feinbaum, quote, listen, I used to defend Herb Street without even thinking, but I'm, I'm not going to do that until I know information. Being objective, this is really a bad look for Herb Street. He goes on to say that he needs more information, you know, yada, yada, yada. Why has he gone down this road? You know, I'm just, we're so blessed with phenomenal play-by-play talent. JJ and I had a show on this a couple of weeks ago. I, I think we're really lacking right now in color analyst work, okay? Outside of John Smoltz, 
who was outstanding. Okay, Eddie Olchuk, who I love. Um, and that's hockey, so that's fringe. That eliminates a lot of you. Tony Romo gets destroyed. Kirk Herbstreet gets destroyed. Troy Aikman is a whiner. He shows up the day of the game or the night before the game. He's already, just after one year at ESPN, had the executive producer and director fired after 25 years, switched it up with the college football executive producer and director because his telestrator wasn't working and, and Troy was complaining. And then, it, you know, it came out that uh, um, he didn't get there. He takes his personal Learjet. Didn't get there, you know, a couple of days before, like everyone does in the broadcast world. Troy's got his own set of rules. Well, he made people, he changed people's lives after his very first year. Uh, you got the Greg Olson situation, dropping from $10 million a year to $3 million a year because here comes Tom Brady, who's going to make $37.5 million a year. What in the hell is Tom Brady going to tell us, football fans, that is worth $37.5 million a year? I mean, he better script every little thing that happens before it does. So, again, I think we're missing great color analyst work. I think we have the best play-by-play that we've ever had. I really believe that. And now you enter Herb Street. Man, he's got everything right there. He's such a powerful voice in college football. I don't know why they peered him up with Al Michaels. I mean, honestly, has is, is Dr. Herbie ever told you one thing in an NFL game that you, as a meat and potatoes football fan, was like, wow, that's a great point there by Dr. Herbie? The answer to that question is no. So he is there to provide analysis and insight and information and projection and third and one pass, third and one run, fourth and one punt, fourth and one. I mean, that's, that's what you do, right? Picking up the phone? Calling a five-star recruit's dad? Come on, people. I don't care how much of a fan you are. I don't care how much of a supporter you are. This is egregious. This is awful. This, in my opinion, is probably the worst thing that a man in this particular situation can do. And I got to believe it's going to register with this listening audience. There's a ton of dog fans out there. There's also a ton of dog haters out there. There's a ton of Gator fans. The Gators have been number one telling Florida State 63-3. Telling Florida State they never should have gone. Okay, we've done that. That's over. Has this affected me in the way that I feel about Kirk Street? Yeah, but come on. I changed my tune on this man when he told us all that there would be no football four years ago. If you listen to this show regularly, I do thank you, but you know I have been all over Dr. Herbie because I think he has told us that he is a complete fraud. And he thinks he's so above everyone else in the game. All right, we're very interested in what we get from this tonight. I, I do have a couple of scheduled things, a lot of NFL stuff tonight, the very latest on the draft and the Jaguars with Cody Carpenter. does a really good job uh, with Roster Watch covering the NFL draft. He was at the Senior Bowl last week. And again, it feels like it's corners and maybe a wide receiver that Jacksonville is going to get at number 17. I disagree with all of that. I think they need to get bigger and stronger in the ditch. I want offensive line. If you go defensive line, I'll be okay with it, but I want offensive line. I want to outscore opponents here in town. 
I want to win games 31-28. You don't do that by fixing your defense. You do that by fixing your offense. Hey, Baloo, this year's Super Bowl between Kansas City and San Francisco, a couple of top five defenses. Hmm. Good point. Still going to go the offense. Yeah, we've seen some Super Bowls. We saw Brady's last one in New England, the laugher. We saw Manning's last one in Denver, a laugher. Defensive struggles, right? Offenses kind of just making their way through it. But I still believe year after year after year after year, give me the team that can score. Give me the team that's around 30 a game. And that's where Jacksonville wanted to be this year. They wanted to improve it by five points. Get up to around 29 a game. They didn't. They shaved points off from what they did in 2022. So we'll do that. We'll also go live to uh, Las Vegas a little bit later on the program, checking with our good buddy, the Philly Godfather, the very latest on the money there, plus some props, which the Philly Godfather is an expert in. Speaking of experts, when it comes to your eyes, let me give you Schmunez. Schmunez Vision. Go online. Schmunez Vision. Everything that can be about your eyes, this is your one stop. Sure. An update, right? Get your eyes checked. You need a new prescription. No doubt about it. That's a major part of all this. But what about other issues? Just ask yourself right now, your eyes weaker driving home after a full day of work. Do you notice that you're watching TV and all of a sudden it's blurry? Or even when you put your readers on and and, and you look at your phone or you're reading a book It's not the way it once was. Um, Sleeping in contacts is absolutely the worst thing you can do. You know what it's like late at night when you're looking for your glasses or looking for your readers. I wish I was a candidate for laser eye surgery. More than 30 years worth of experience. I'm not. I'm not because I had surgery on my right eye eight and a half years ago. Just going in for a normal checkup, Dr. Neo Shmina found something that needed to be removed immediately. He performed surgery the next day. I've never had a setback. This is all a part of what they do. You need to trust the right individuals when it comes to dealing with your eyes. Those individuals are the great doctors at Schmunez Vision. Check them out online. Go to schmunezvision.com. All right, we are jam-packed. My goodness, I, I just can't believe this, man. I mean, Kirk's like his own little mob. He's like the boss He's the godfather. He's consigliere. He's the, he's the underboss. He's the capo. He's the soldier. He's the hitman. He does it all. He is Dr. Herbie. It is his world. We merely live in it. Let's ring up another guest on the all-pro roofing phone line. All right, a ton rolling in on the text line. That's 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Much more on Dr. Herbie and uh, this unforgivable phone call, if in fact true, telling the five-star Dylan Rayola to go from uh, Georgia to Nebraska, calling his daddy. Uh, imagine that. We'll, 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 uh, we'll continue to get updates on it. Uh, interesting enough, Herbie's gone silent. Nothing from him since his story has come out. We'll track that, but obviously around here, that's only part of what is going on. It's Super Bowl week. We just got through Senior Bowl week, which was the final college football game of the season. Uh, Cody Carpentier does an outstanding job as an NFL draft analyst with uh, Roster Watch, and he was there in Mobile, and he goes into the night with Rick Ballou. Cody, I appreciate a few minutes. How you doing? 
Rick, my man, how you doing, brother? I appreciate I'm, you having me on. Yeah, I'm I'm doing really well, and you know, there's so many mock drafts uh, that are out, and you know, we're what 77, 78 days out, and I, I read them all, and I, I I see the Jaguars again, a cornerback, a cornerback, every once in a while, a wide receiver. That's not where I'm going here, Cody. I I think the offensive line in Jacksonville, the interior offensive line, has been just awful. So I want that to be addressed uh, right out of the gate at 17. The guy I want to ask you about is Jackson Powers Johnson out of Oregon. I know he left Thursday halfway through it with a hamstring injury, but my understanding, he was dominant before that happened. Jackson Jackson Powers Johnson from the jump from Oregon uh, was fantastic. He was clear-cut the best center in Mobile, and coming in, that was the conversation, was, is he going to take that step and make it clear-cut? And he did. Um, Zach Frazier is a guy from West Virginia who wanted to be in that conversation, but Jackson Powers, the first couple of days of practice, looked very good, uh, looked dominant, and he's been training up there in Frisco uh, with OL Masterminds and, and Duke Miniweather. So he's got the right uh, trajectory going right now, and he's looking like a first-round pick for sure. Only one year at center. He's a former guard at Oregon, so not a lot of experience. What, 12 or 13 games? How much of an effect does that have? Not, not a ton. So these interior guys, it's a little different, I would say, than the tackles. The tackles, generally, you hear some guys are good at transitioning from maybe a left side to a right side. Some guys, most guys generally aren't. But the interior guys, center guard, uh, I have a feeling I would venture to say most played both growing up in high school and in peewee. So I don't think it's that big of a difference for a, a guy of this nature. Yeah, all you got to do is go back and look at the FC Championship game in both Baltimore and Kansas City, starting centers, first-round picks, day one starters as rookies, and both really flourishing in the NFL. I, I know it's not a quote-unquote sexy pick. You know, fans want skill guys. Fans want pass rush ends, cover corners. What, what are your thoughts on this with Jacksonville, who used a third-rounder for Luke Fortner Three years ago, it has not gone well. Luke has struggled in every phase as a center. What do you believe about going in that direction in the first round? I think it's always a great idea to build from the inside out. I heard you allude to that a little bit earlier. You know, all these teams are a little different, whether they want to build from the outside in or inside out. Most of the most successful general managers in the league will tell you building inside out is the best way to do it. And you can see just by the Super Bowl matchup right here, right now, you can see the defensive line and offensive line of the Chiefs and the 49ers has really helped them get there. Now, the Niners do have talent on the outside, but they built it from the inside out since day one. And I think that's something Jacksonville can kind of take advantage of. Again, you got two good tackles there, but like you mentioned, that interior has kind of been a struggle. They went and traded for Ezra Cleveland. I know he's a free agent this year. Tyler Shatley's free agent. And Luke Fortner didn't really quite pan out to that extent. So I do think the center guard position is a definite need. Uh, the Kelvin Ridley thing, I kind of have a question about. I haven't really delved into that. If he returns or not, I guess I could ask you that question. But then also I'm looking at the on the defensive line as well for Jacksonville. Cody Carpentier, our guest. He is an NFL draft analyst with Roster Watch. He goes into the night uh, with Rick Ballou. Um The game has changed. I'm aware of that. But when I was covering this team in the 90s, to me it was all about that offensive line. It was, it, it was the, uh, the identity of the club. I mean, a crafty guy like Wydell, a Ben Coleman, you know, pro bowlers like Leon Searcy and Tony Baselli. Uh, there's no meanness on this offensive line. There's no nasty on this offensive line. I like to think that they got a little bit of it out of Anton Harrison last year. I think he could develop. 
I, I know it's somewhat of an unfair question because you're watching film study and what have you. It's not like you're there covering Oregon day in, day out. But do you believe Jackson Powers Johnson is a guy who can bring that to this football team? I think he can bring enough uh, to enhance the position. Um, saying he's got that next level nasty, that Quentin Johnston, or that Quentin, jo- sorry, Quentin Nelson from Indianapolis, that type of nasty that can take that entire offensive line to the next level. I wouldn't say he's quite got that trait in him. But I do think he's got the talent trait where it's just going to all around bring everybody together um, for sure. All right. Interesting. I think that's a, um, you know, for, for me, that's a big part of all of this, uh, trying to identify a couple of things there with a selection. Now, not always the center will go that high, a guard will go that high. Typically, it is a tackle. And, you know, around here, we don't know if it's going to be a re signing or a restructuring of Cam Robinson at left tackle. Is it going to be Walker Little in his final year at left tackle? Are you going to flip Anton Harrison from right tackle to left tackle or maybe draft a tackle? So, my understanding is in, there was some improvement at the senior bowl as well. This could be one of the best offensive tackle classes as a group that we've seen in the draft in a few years. 100%. And the rumblings right now, and especially coming out of the senior bowl, was we're looking at breaking the record for most tackles drafted in round one, which is the number set at seven right now. And there's a real opportunity for eight to go in a situation like this in Jacksonville. It would take a team like Jacksonville to take one to get us to that number eight number. Uh, a couple guys that were down there in Mobile for the senior bowl, Tyler Guyton, speaking of Oklahoma tackles, and Anton Harrison. If you moved Anton Harrison to the left side, you could bring in Tyler Guyton to play that right side. He's a little bit of a leaner upper body guy, but the projections all lead to believe he's a top 20 pick in this draft right now. Uh, another guy that's really gotten a lot of helium is Calicia uh, Fuega from Oregon State. He's probably going to be a little bit out of reach for what uh, Jackson was looking at right now, but it was just a great group of tackles down there uh, in Mobile. And even a later on guy, Christian Jones, a guy you could probably get in the late third or the fourth round um, that has traits. He's out of Texas, and he's a, he's a really solid uh, right tackle that can grow into a position. Talking with Cody Carpentier, joining us uh, tonight on Into the Night with Rick Ballou, NFL draft analyst. You can get everything uh, by going to Roster Watch, and uh, you can also get him online. Just go to at Cody Carpentier, that's T-I-E-R, on Twitter and or X. All right, you were there all week, and you've seen the mocks. You have you have your analysis on this as well. What do you believe Jacksonville should do at 17 if it's not an offensive lineman? I, I think the receiver thing I brought up a minute ago with Kelvin Ridley is a question. Right, they traded for him. Can I ask you this question at the top? Do you think they re-signed Kelvin Ridley? I think it's uh, – I do. I, and, and, and the reason why I do is this. Um, I think Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson – have to win to keep their job. If they went to the playoffs and lost and they were in no danger of losing their jobs, I, I think maybe they would move on and do some other things because, you know, he didn't impress. He, he had no yak. He had no yards after catch. He was underweight. He missed assignments, ran wrong routes, dropped balls. It was not a good year for Calvin Ridley. But I think Trent Pelkey right now is going to make a decision and decisions that will save his job for 2025. So yeah, my guess is that Calvin Ridley returns. That's interesting. Cause that's not, that's like, of course, that's one that everyone wants to point to is the wide receiver position. And I do think if they don't bring him back again, Ridley's going into his age 30 season here, he turns 30 in December. I think a couple of guys are interesting in that spot that can really take this team, or I should say this offense to kind of a, another level because of their speed and their down playability. That's Troy Franklin 
out of Oregon and Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. I prefer Franklin of the two guys. He's kind of built like a Devonta Smith up there in Philadelphia, a little bit taller, a little bit more dynamic. But if you're talking about building inside out, it's got to start at that inside position. I like a Graham Barton out of Duke to play guard. He can play a little bit of center. And then on the defensive side of the football, if a Byron Murphy does make it to 17, he's got a lot of helium too. Very talented tackle, defensive tackle, sorry, out of Texas. I think if he's there at that 17th spot, that has to be weighed as well. All right, last question for you, Cody. If it is wide receiver, whether it's first round or later on, obviously the Wrigley decision will be either a second or third round pick that they're going to have to sacrifice. Um, big body guys. Trevor Lawrence always had big body wide receivers at Clemson. He doesn't have a big body wide receiver in Jacksonville. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. And uh, I think that was one little interaction we had uh, after the senior bowl. I put up a little top 10 rank and, and, I, and I left out a couple of Florida State guys. And Johnny Wilson's definitely a guy. You're looking at around four, around five. And those rankings I did put up over there at X um, were just based on that event. It's not like that's how I grade Johnny Wilson going into the NFL draft or anything like that. But I think Wilson does bring traits a little bit differently than even a Keon Coleman does, where you're going to get a value with a Johnny Wilson type in round four. Uh, at six foot seven, two hundred thirty-five pounds, and being that little freak he is, he averaged almost a full yard per route run more than Keon Coleman did in games played with him this past season. I also think there's a couple of other guys that did compete down there at the Senior Bowl that you're looking at. You could be looking at a Brendan Rice out of USC in the third round. These are six foot two, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds from Brendan Rice. Brendan Rice also, of course, the son of Jerry Rice, a physical guy with a big body and a big frame um, that I think uh, goes alongside the Zay Jones of the Christian Kirks and Parker Washington very well. Yeah. All right. Interesting stuff. Get everything at roster watch, follow, uh, follow Cody Carpentier. Just go to uh, X and or Twitter. It's at Cody Carpentier, T I E R. And uh, you can get everything right there. NFL draft analyst with roster watch. Great stuff, Cody. Looking forward to doing it again. Rick, I appreciate you, man. Best of luck. Take care. There he goes. All right. I like it. Um, yeah, any fresh opinion we can get based on the Senior Bowl and spending a week out there evaluating everything and and uh, and and just getting a little bit closer uh, to the draft is, um, you know, is very interesting to me. I there are so many mock drafts that are out there, and you know, I bet I've read no exaggeration. I bet I've read forty of them, and I just have a difficult time being satisfied uh, with what I've seen so far. Before we head to this break, let me find this for you. This was um, yesterday's uh, two-rounder. Uh, it was ESPN Insider. Uh, who's the guy who replaced McShay? He basically does it all in print. You know, you mentioned his name the other day, JJ. Do you remember who we were talking about? No. And I told you I thought at one point he was a Florida State beat writer. And um, oh, Reed. Yeah, I think it was Reed who created uh, a two-round mock on uh, on ESPN's Insider. And you know, at seventeen, he's got a he's got a DB, he's got a corner, in Ennis Raystra out of uh, uh, you know out of Missouri. Okay, um, obviously a huge name here. Missouri's all about the SEC. SEC I mean, people just driving around town bragging about Missouri in the SEC. So you go in there in the first round. All right, Darius Williams, final year of his contract. Tyson Campbell, final year of his contract. A lot of people think Darius Williams could be cut. 
You could recoup $11 million, eat only $500,000 in dead cap money by saying goodbye to Darius Williams. I wouldn't make that move. But we also know with a change coming in defensively, it's going to be more of a press-style defense. It's going to be more of a man-to-man coverage-style defense. Um, does it, there, is Darius Williams in a position where he's hurt in that type of coverage, where he had more success in zone? These are all things that you need to consider. And then in the second round, uh, selection number 48, the Jaguars' Roman Wilson, wide receiver, out of Michigan. So. Those are obvious needs when you look at the roster. But I don't believe it's filling the greatest need. That's the offensive line. Trevor Lawrence spoke. He spoke to Amy, uh, spoke to Kay Adams, spoke to the NFL Network. He's making the rounds. Some interesting stuff from Trevor. We're going to play a little bit of that for you coming up. We're also going to go live to Las Vegas. And hear from the Philly Godfather. We'll take a look at how things have been so far this week at the window. And a couple of interesting props. Uh, The Philly Godfather has a really good track record on proposition uh, wagers uh, year in, year out. uh, Right there at, uh, you know, the Super Bowl. So we'll get some of his prop plays as well coming up as we get things rolling right here on a Wednesday night. It's good to have you with us. You want to comment on anything that you've heard us talk about so far? Again, a lot on Dr. Herbie, 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. And from here all the way up until the draft, it's never a bad time to ask a draft question. If I don't know it myself, I'll go find out and ask. Uh, the very next day. I, I, I just love and it. I think it's tough to build in the middle. You know, when you're nine and eight, you're nine and eight a year ago, you win a playoff game. You don't really hear much about it, right? You're nine and eight this year. You don't make the playoffs. All of a sudden, you're kind of like the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA every year where you're, you're around 500, but you're never really good enough to move up. Atlanta was in that Uh, category for a very long period of time. Don't get me wrong. I don't want the Jaguars selecting first every year, but you're you're kind of in a deal where uh, with the 17th pick, you know, you'd like to have at least three, if not four, quarterbacks go. For every quarterback who goes ahead of you, that allows Jacksonville another opportunity to get the best position player on their board. And that's really important. So, you know, I, I don't know if a running back's going to go uh, ahead. I, I don't know if, uh, obviously, they don't need a running back right now, although some, I guess, would argue with that. I'm going to disagree. I still think Tank Bigsby will be okay uh, behind DTN. But, you know, you'd like to be set at a few positions outside of quarterback, where if guys come off the board at that position, you're okay with it. You understand what I'm trying to get at? Uh, but all of a sudden, this football team, Really, no matter what position group you go to, outside of quarterback and running back and tight end. I get a lot on tight end, which I don't understand. Why? I mean, you use Brenton Strange in the second round. You used to pick to get him. And then, of course, you redid Evan Ingram. And you've got Luke Farrell as a blocking tight end. It, that's, to me, outside of quarterback and running back, that, that's the one position group that I'm not touching tight end. Just my opinion. You can offer up yours as well. 641-1010, that's the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures.
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, our text line. I can't believe there was actually a time when we did radio without it. We are so interactive. Ballou and LaSalva. We love the text line. 641-1010 brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. The 5262. I'm not going to tell who we were talking about. But he just asked me to go complete Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now. He asked me to do this. He said, your mission is to travel by John Boat from Palatka up to the day uh, of the game to, uh, uh, to the St. John's, to the bank, and terminate yada yada with extreme prejudice. And that's exactly what is said to Martin Sheen when he is asked to go murder Marlon Brando. Again, I won't fill in the name. I won't do it. I'm just not going to put myself in that position. J.J. LaSelva is on the other side tonight, as he is each and every night. How are you? I'm good. It's good stuff coming up here from Trevor and Kay Adams um, in our second hour. As a matter of fact, I want to I w- I play a little of this right now. Before we get to it, though, and this is year four, What's your opinion on quarterback in their say on a roster? I would never take their advice or ask their advice unless they were like Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tom Brady should have had some say in New England. Peyton Manning should have had some say in Indianapolis. Dan Marino in Miami. Pat Mahomes right now in Kansas City. I I, I think you're – your, your comments and your opinion and your knowledge is warranted when you are that successful. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is 20 and 28 as a starting quarterback. It was a setback this year. I, I'm not one of those that's saying it's never going to work here. I'm still thumbs up. I think he's going to turn the corner. Why do you think I'm openly complaining again? I've done it year after year after year after year. Fix the offensive line. You finally have a quarterback. Protect him. Trent Bucky's done a nice job getting him weapons. I mean, he used fringe picks on a tight end in the second round. And running back on the third round, guys barely played. They had tight ends and backs and wide receivers. Jacksonville had plenty of skill position players. They're just soft on the offensive line. Fix that. Uh, NFL Network asked, actually, um, let's go to Kay Adams who did ask uh, Trevor Lawrence if he had any input on who the Jaguars would resign. There's definitely conversations that I have with, you know, Coach Peterson and Trent and, and whoever and press and the offensive side that is about personnel and, you know, guys I really like that, you know, maybe that are up as free agents and want to come back or whatever it is, you know, different things come up and they will ask me and I think they do value my opinion, which is important to me. But I also know that, I can't be the best quarterback I can be if I'm also trying to be the GM or the head coach. I have to. I think it is healthy to have some separation there. But no, we communicate, and I think we have a great relationship. I think Trevor Lawrence, for the most part, says the right things. I believe that. I, and he's growing. He's only 24, folks. He's just 24, but I think he says the right thing. I do, and you know, I remember this past year, Press Taylor. I don't. I don't want to say Doug Peterson because I don't remember 
with 100% certainty. But I know Press Taylor talked about the offensive scheme, the game plan, in that he said at one point, yeah, that if Trevor doesn't like a play, he'll say, no, I don't like that play, and, and they'll throw it out. That's um, that's good coaching. That's a good relationship, okay? There, there's so much of this. Uh, in a, I thought Jimbo Fisher was the main culprit with this. Jameis Winston got it. No one else got it. No one got it at Florida State. No one got it at Texas A&M. Even though first-rounders were produced, Christian Ponder and E.J. Manuel, whatever. Jimbo was so uh, hard-headed that he would say, I have the best offense in America, and you better learn how to run it. Where great coaches are going to look at the team that they have and say, we can't do it this way with the personnel we have. We have to make some changes, and and, and that's going to be the case here with Ryan Nielsen in this defense. He can't run this defense the way he run, uh, the way that he did run uh, as a co-defensive coordinator two years ago in New Orleans. He's not going to be able to run it the way he ran it this past year in Atlanta. You've got to change with the with the personnel that you have. And I do think that the quarterback, when he is your franchise quarterback, now if you're going from Nick Foles to Blake Bortles to, you know, Mike Glennon and Gardner, when you're going through that, even though I guess they play, they did pay Bortles and, and, uh, and, and Foles franchise money, two enormous mistakes, right? But when you're going from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback like that, no. But when you have a first-round pick and you know he's going to be your quarterback, yeah, you got to have that relationship. And whether it's Calvin Ridley, whether it's Luke Fortner, whether it's Cam Robinson, whether it is um, Zay Jones, Brandon Sheriff, and I don't expect Trevor to be knee-deep in their salary cap numbers and, and the dead money and all that, but your opinion, do you think he should be back? Do you think we're better off going in a different direction. He's the one guy on this offense that I, I think you can do that with. And I think a lot of teams do that with. Let's get ready to go to uh, Las Vegas. Let's do that. Coming up right here on the other side. We'll check in with the Philly Godfather. He is all over the place in Las Vegas, and he is going to give us the uh, the very latest, not only on the game, uh, but also on some props. I do want to tell you that tonight's show is brought to you by Patriot Roofing Services, specializing in all types of commercial and residential roofing and repairs, gutters, sun tubes, skylights. Just give my buddy Mark Tozzolo a phone call, 982-4052. Or better yet, go online. Patriot Roofing, 10-year workmanship warranty, licensed and insured, no, sub- uh, no subcontractors. You deal strictly with Mark at 982 So whether it's your business or your home, a new roof or repairs, just go to Patriot Roofing. We got much more to do. Hour number two, we begin by going to Las Vegas and we'll bring in the Philly Godfather. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Super Bowl 58, live from Las Vegas. Let's check in live with the Philly Godfather. Hello, Mr. Godfather. Hey, Rick. What's going on, man? We're out here at Radio Row in Las Vegas. I've been betting all week. It's a, it's a great time out here. Yeah, it is. And uh, I've been following you, as I have for years, on uh, on Twitter. It looks like you're having yourself an outstanding time. 
Yeah, the food's unreal. I mean, it's unparalleled in the whole country. You got to go to Italy or Greece or Spain to get the kind of restaurant food you get out here, and uh, everyone's just so nice this week. It's interesting you talk about the food, man. Well, you come from the food's good. Food's good up east, Boston, New York, Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, but this is uh, the best of the best. It can only be as good as Las Vegas. It can't be better. Yeah, no doubt. All right, um, your thoughts on the game now? Let's because I know you you have a tremendous amount of success with with props, but just the game itself. It's it stayed around one and a half, maybe a two, depending on where you shop. Do you expect it to to stick there? Do you see any late movement before kick on Sunday? Uh, originally opened up actually three, San Fran minus three for like a New York minute. And there was some sharp money that took the plus three on Kansas City. It's so hard to bet against Mahomes. Pushed that line down to one. And then a really big sports betting syndicate that I respect placed a million-dollar wager on San Fran minus one and pushed that line back to two where it currently sits almost everywhere in Vegas and you know around the country. This is a tough game to handicap. Uh, I always tell people all the time, you can't really quantify greatness. And for years, Tom Brady, you know, you bet against Tom Brady, you went broke. And it seems that way with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I haven't bet the full game side yet. I'm still reading on the game. But I did bet San Francisco minus a half a point in the first half. And for the reason being is they've only trailed three times all season going into halftime. And in two of those games, they were banged up on the offensive side and defensive side. The other time was against Baltimore, where the score was 13-12 before Kansas City kicked the field goal right before halftime. But if you guys remember, Purdy threw two interceptions in the first half of that game. So this team likes to come out fast. They like to come out quick. And I think they jump ahead early. Now, what happens in the second half is a completely different story. But I like San Francisco minus a half a point in the first half. All right, first half minus a half point. Uh, Very interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people are just going to look at this game and say, it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Brock Purdy. And I know San Francisco's got phenomenal talent, skill position players on offense, a good line, and very good defense. But how much of that – have you looked at directly, just simply Mahomes against Purdy? Yeah, I mean, as great as Mahomes is, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen, when Brock Purdy starts a football game with Debo Samuel and McCaffrey on the football field, they're 15-1 and with an average margin of victory of almost 16 points. So I know he's a young quarterback, but and people say, well, if he leaves the 49ers, he won't be as good. But guess what? He's on this team. And this is how, you know, he's been outperforming the market. He's been playing great all season. Now they have, you know, they have looked great against the Packers and Detroit in the playoffs. But if you look at two two teams that Kansas City lost to this year, they lost to the Packers and Detroit. I mean, they don't realize how good those offenses were. Detroit ranked third overall in uh, yards per play metric. And Green Bay came in sixth. And if Green Bay wasn't so banged up early in the season, I mean, they might have done more damage. So this is, uh, you know, people want to talk about the greatest Mahomes, but as a quarterback with Debo and McCaffrey on the field, Brock Purdy's as good as anybody. Philly Godfather joining us live from um, uh, Radio Row in Las Vegas. Philly Godfather, give us uh, your info out there, all our listeners, so they can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the phillygodfather.com. Totals, over-unders. Um, this year, the, the numbers I have, you may have different ones. I, I have Kansas City with six overs, 14 unders. I have um, San Francisco, you know, a, a, a much different look, 11 overs, eight unders. The feeling is if it goes over, it's San Francisco. If it goes under, it's Kansas City. Are you buying into that? No, I mean, these games can play on so many different ways. I mean, depending on what happens, the mistakes on the field, 
and we talked about it all season. Usually it's a turnover differential that dictates, you know, who wins the game or if the game goes over, stays under. At 47 and a half, I haven't bet the total yet. Uh, I think the number's right there. And uh, But what I do like is I like under 32 and a half pass attempts for Brock Purdy because if, if the 49ers are going to win this game, they're going to have to run the ball and run the ball successfully. That's going to chew up time on the clock. And then if they're up going into the fourth quarter like they have been most of the season, uh, I think they've been going into the fourth quarter. Their their average margin of lead is like 7.6 points. So I think they're going to have to run the ball again in the fourth quarter to hold on to that lead. So I don't think uh, Purdy's going to pass as much. And that kind of tends towards the under a little bit. But I still haven't fired him totally. Mm, all right. I like it. I like the way you're thinking here. Purdy under 32.5 pass attempts would mean an under, which, again, goes against what San Francisco has done. If you look at that trend, uh, 11 up, uh, 8 down this year but as you pointed out anything can happen all right philly godfather leave us with a um you know a couple of props i know you've been very successful do do you do you mess around with a national anthem and the coin toss you do any of that type of stuff are you strictly on the football field oh we used to get some information on the national anthem i didn't get none this year and props like that unless you get the information then you're just gambling i'm not looking to gamble the coin flip obviously 50 50 proposition and if you're laying 110 to win 100 Long term, you're going to lose. But I love to tell everyone, tails never fails. It came through last year uh, for four years in a row. Heads came through in the last year. Tails came down. So if you want to have some fun, I don't know. You want to bet the tails, bet the tails. I do like Kittle over 45 and a half receiving yards. I bet him alternate line over 70 yards plus 265. I think he has a big day, and the reason being is against uh, blitz happy teams like the Chiefs. He's averaging about 91 uh, receiving yards per game. And last week, if you guys remember, Kansas City blitzed on 43.5% of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks. So if they come out with the same game plan, trying to, you know, uh, disrupt Purdy a little bit, I think Kittle has a monster game. And I actually bet a flyer, Kittle, to have more receiving yards than Kelsey. It's a lottery ticket, but they're giving me two to one on my money, so I had to take it. Mm. All right. I like that. Yeah, and, and if you can get those type of odds, why not? It's very little risk. Uh, for quite a reward. Do you do anything else like, um, you know, final round of a player at, at the Phoenix Open compared to receiving yards for, I don't know, Kelsey or Debo Saint? Do you ever dive into those type of uh, crossover sports? Yeah, not really. Unless I got a real good golf handicap. Like, we had one a couple of years back. And, I, you know, I don't handicap golf. But unless I got someone that really knows what they're doing, now I don't do none of the crossover stuff. I'm looking for positive expectation. I bet over one and a half field goals for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs kicker because they're averaging like 2.5 field goals a game. They're in the dome. You know, no weather. He might decide to kick a 55-yarder. You know, so I like that as well, over one and a half field goals for uh, Buckner. Outstanding. Philly Godfather, what a year. Once again, uh, please give your information out there to our listening audience. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the phillygodfather.com, and good luck, guys. Philly Godfather, pleasure all year. Thank you as always. Thank you so much. There he goes. Busy man. So, I don't know. I, I You know, J.J. and I were talking about it a little bit yesterday. I, You really have to be disciplined if – you're going to play these props unless you're just having a fun time on it. And, you know, you're putting 20 bucks a prop. You know, if you're you're not putting real money on it, if you're putting um, change on it, then, yeah, go go and have some fun. But my my way of looking at this, and I'm not betting, I haven't bet, I don't even have the slightest 
itch, okay? And it's, uh, I'm not lying. This is radio embellishment. I, I am not betting at all. I, there will be a time when I'll fall back in, but I just, and I thought it was going to be this year. I just don't have the spirit uh, to get into it. I think I need to be alone. You know what I mean? The best gamblers are alone, right? You're just kind of miserable and on your own. You've lost your family. Maybe you've lost your job. Because <laughs> most gamblers are mis- right. Most gamblers are miserable, and most gamblers are liars, right? Um. So you don't. What about like the square game? No, I don't do anything. I don't even do our uh, sweet. You know, I don't even do our. That's what co- I'm talking about. Like at college the basketball. Office. I don't even do our office pool in college basketball. Yeah, me because neither. To me, it's like it's like, hey, man. Don't worry about, don't worry about becoming a drug da- a drug addict. It's just it's just marijuana, or you can't be an alcoholic. It's only beer, right? It's like okay, well, if I start diving in on playing squares, or if I start diving, then what if I have a little bit of ex- you know success? And oh, I guess this is easy. I'll get back in. Maybe I'll put a thousand on the coin toss now. <laughs> I heard that the over under for the national anthem is. The shortest it's ever been. So I don't know if they're expecting, like most times, like Godfather said, they got somebody who's like, you know, works at the lighting for the stadium or does the sound. And so they hear the warm up, you know, they know they've timed it out themselves. So somebody knows something about Reba. She's not going very long. It's a minute and 26 seconds is the over under, which if that holds, that would be the shortest ever. I was under the impression that uh, the Philly Godfather had spoken directly with Reba. It could have been that. He knows somebody he said. I love the fact that he said they had information a couple of years ago. I know you just said it, but that's great. Oh, yeah. I've heard all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I also think it's hilarious. He's like, we used to have a golf guy. He's no longer with Mm -hmm. us. But a syndicate put a million dollars, which that's not the first time I've heard that over the last week and a half since – you know, the line went out there was the public is all on the Chiefs. The money is about even, I think, but the big money is on the Niners. Who will be shown first? Joe Montana, two to one. You got to give up two to one. It's minus 200. Jerry Rice plus 150. And it's a straight up head to head bet. The odds on Jerry Rice are way better. You lay down 100 bucks, you lay down 10 bucks, you get back 15. You got to lay down twenty bucks to get ten. It's probably the right odds, just because you know Joe Montana's more famous and the whole Brock Purdy conversation. I mean, like I've heard Joe Montana's name brought up so much in the last week talking about Brock Purdy and oh, what he said to Joe and vice versa, and oh, he called me and so yeah, I I haven't really heard much about Jerry Rice. What will be said first, goat or Mister? Irrelevant. Goat is plus 400. Mr. Irrelevant minus 800. Mr. Irrelevant is guaranteed. Yeah, that's why it's such bad odds. That's not a good bet. You wouldn't say goat. First of all, I don't see Tony or Jim saying that. That's definitely not a Jim thing to say, so it would have to be Tony. And then in that case, it would probably be at the very end of the game if he wins. What will Romo say first, Mahomey or Showtime? I mean, some of these are really stupid. Showtime. And, and, and I do think that What's that's- that a reference I, I don't know. Is Showtime like Mahomes? Is that what they refer to him as? I've Mahomey. never even heard that. I mean, there's over 100 Taylor Swift props. Oh, yeah. 
I, I honestly think the best way to go about this would be to spend all week on it and, and just try to find one and only one prop. It's so hard. But then again, is it? I'll give you a really fun one. Give me one. That, like, has hit the last couple years, the under. They always give you the same over-under for the shortest touchdown, and it's one and a half yards. You're basically betting, will there be a one-yard touchdown or not? And it's been hitting. Like, the the one-yard touchdowns have been hitting the last couple years. Pacheco got one last year. That's a fun one. Because when you're down there in the red zone, man, for either team, you know, you're cheering for or you're cheering for like a PI in the end zone, which happens quite frequently. Um, yeah, I love that one. I also love the one he gave out the field goal prop. Yeah, that's a good one. The yeah. guy is money. Never misses a field goal, and he said it's in a dome. I also saw will anyone hit the record, which is only four, uh, 55 yards, Super Bowl record for a field goal. <laughs> this is nuts. Okay, which 49ers Chiefs player will get caught gambling in Las Vegas? Are you ready? (laughs) The number one guy at plus 400? Kelsey. Kadarius Tony. Oh, I should have guessed. Debo Samuel plus 500. (laughs) Jake Moody plus 600. Kelsey and Kittle and Boza plus 800. It gets gets better. (laughs) It gets better. Which 49ers or Chiefs player will be caught with an escort in Las Vegas? Jake Moody Poor is guy. plus tw- – imagine explaining this to your wife or girlfriend, that of all the players, you're, you're the number one guy that, that – it, by the way, Las Vegas, they're pretty good at this stuff. It, here's, they're like, we know something about him. Jake Moody's one at plus 300. Then it's Nick Boza at plus 400. Harrison – uh, Bucker, the kicker, plus 500. Then you go Debo and Kittle at plus six and 800, respectively. Patrick Mahomes Never. plus 1,200. Never. Wow. The story would get out immediately. You got McCaffrey at plus 2,000 and Travis Kelsey at plus 2,500. I mean, Kelsey's with uh, uh, Swift and McCaffrey's with that that Sports Illustrated pinup model girl. Is he? I didn't realize that. Apparently, Vegas thinks the kickers are very sex-deprived, and that's a shame because most of the time, these kickers have hot-ass girls. I man. would think so, yeah. Poor Jake Moody. What's, what's the name? Is it- He's also terrible, by the way. I, like, I, if there is a uh, – I'm sure there is a prop for Moody to miss a field goal. I'd love to see the odds on that. Olivia – Munn? No, it's Olivia Culpo. Oh. Olivia Munn, didn't she kind of go crazy? Wasn't she the one with Aaron Rodgers? She was. Olivia Culpo is very... I think she went cray-cray. Very, uh... I'm not saying this. I've been told by others that a lot of them out there do that. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Um, Yeah, she was Mrs. Rhode Island. Miss Rhode Island, excuse me. Very beautiful. Uh, I saw one here about... Okay, Will... See, here's an opportunity to make some money. Will an unauthorized person or streaker enter the end zone during the Super Bowl? What about the field? I guess that also counts. Or midfield logo. There's two different props. You can pick end zone or you can pick. (sighs) Wow. 
So this- imagine betting on a guy to go on the field in the end zone, but he goes to the center and you lose. Well, wasn't there a story a couple of years ago? I think it, I think it had like a a trail back here, right? Was it, someone ran on the field? Someone offered him money and he ran on the field. I don't. Oh, that what was, it was. Uh, yeah. They were sitting. Uh, Dilla was saying he would. They were like sitting right in front of him, or maybe it was it was somebody on Jags Twitter. Was it a Jags road game or so, something, or, or was it the Hall of Fame game? I don't even remember a preseason mm. or something. Maybe the play, but they basically bet the guy like five hundred bucks or whatever that he wouldn't run on the field, and he did. When we come back, Trevor Lawrence on Trent Baalke. Uh Don't go away from that, and got some very exciting news on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tell you what we're going to do here tomorrow and Friday. We're efforting. We'll try to get a meet Patel on, and whoever he wagers on, we'll display the opposite. Well, I'll make a ton of cash. Mid-management finance manager. $22 million. Still, I mean, to me, that's the story of the year. I don't even know how to say anything. I mean, to me, it's just. You know, he's got a bet on the game in the clink. There's no doubt. Pack of smokes. He's are a couple trays. Some desserts. Cornbread. Whatever. He's got a couple of, uh, he's got a couple of uh, correctional officers uh, <laughs> already on the pad. Right? They're getting at least 5%, maybe 10. Actually reading a great book right now. It was written in 1990 about the Godfathers all infiltrating right around the same time to Vegas. And, you know, Bugsy Siegel got murdered. That was actually in L.A. They murdered him in L.A. They wanted to hit him in Vegas, but they didn't want to affect tourism. So they waited till we went back to the hills of Los Angeles and they gunned him down. Uh, but you had... Uh, you know, Chicago and New York. It was there for the taking. And it's just really intriguing. Kansas City was a big player in it. But, of course, Vegas now, who knows what to make of Las Vegas. Absolutely everything. I was really disappointed with Joe Buck said yesterday. He's expecting like a a major uh, bad st- – I mean <laughs> – which is funny because Vegas is so like corporate now. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you can get in trouble there. But you can get I mean, in trouble like, here. Yeah, exactly, dude. It, it's not like uh, the Wild West out there where you know guys are just. Uh, I don't. I don't. I almost said something I shouldn't have. But let's just say it's pretty easy for these players not to get in trouble out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It's a business trip. How about Packer Mahomes coming out today and say, this is a business trip. If we win, I'm going to take everyone back to Vegas. I mean, that's like horrifying. Can, can you, I mean, it's like, yeah, just win the Super Bowl because, it, you know, you, you don't want to, and, and troubles is that trip, you might get in trouble. Oh, yeah. On the celebration of the Super Bowl. Well, last year, the big trouble was Michael Irvin, and that was wrong. Allegedly, he felt like he was wrong. He sued the hotel chain, and I haven't really heard anything about that. But because of his track record, yeah, of course, he was immediately sent home. And the initial story was that Michael Irvin is assaulting or sexually assaulting or whatever. I think he sued for a hundred mil. Good for him. 
Remember the Warren Sapp prostitution story? Um, that stuff happens all the time. Now, did you see the guy in Vegas today who was all over the news? Nothing to do with prostitutes, drugs, or gambling. Um, His name is Mason DeChamps. He's a pro-life activist, and he climbed the sphere from the outside to the very top. Apparently, he does this like he's like a professional climber, and he does it to raise money for charity or whatever, but... I'm my hands are sweating watching this guy. Was he arrested? Now did he do yeah, it illegally? Sure. Oh yeah, this is totally not legal to do. They're waiting for him like at, you know, they came in through the ceiling to arrest him. Just don't ruin it cuz I'm seeing you two exactly. there. I'm seeing you two there in like 9 days. Give it a few weeks. Uh they've been sure the sphere is showing like oh, yeah, all the Super Bowl rings of the last few years just looks so badass. It was like, I, I showed it to you, it was like 1850 bucks for two U2 tickets <laughs> a week from Sunday. What do you think the tickets are going for this weekend? Underground with scalping with the Super Bowl going on this week. We're talking like, it's got to be five to ten times what you paid. Easy. And I think that's a big corporate deal too. You know, let's go to the Spear. Let's, let's see. Let's see you too. I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I refuse to think on it. No, I, I got to stay focused on the job. We got a job to do here tonight. We got a job to do tomorrow night, six to eight. We got a job to do Friday night, six to eight. Hey, real quick, Tiger Woods announced that he's going to play next week. The Genesis in Riviera. So it's going to be the first time in a long time that Tiger's getting back out there. He played his own tournament. Yeah, right? he did something with his son Charlie, or... and and but he's only played one official tournament since the Masters. Um, he says he's going to try to play once a month, and it's huge because you need him here next month. Yeah, I'm not going to say the players won't go on if you don't have Tiger Woods. There's been players' championships recently without Tiger Woods, but you have the Genesis. And then after that, you have, um, well, you go to Mexico, and then you go and you begin the, you know, the Southern Swing. Uh, you begin in Palm Beach Gardens. Then you go to Bay Hill, where Tigers won, what, eight times? I, I would think that my, for those who have covered this event, and, and for those who have been astute, right, he's not a big fan. Of this golf course. And he won here as an amateur, and he's won as a pro. But my guess would be, and this is just a guess. I could be dead wrong. But my guess would be he'd much rather play at Arnold's tournament at Bay Hill, where he's been incredibly successful. Again, I think he's won there eight times. And not play here a week later. But that that's what's on tap. I'd be shocked if it's Palm Beach, even though he lives out there in Jupiter, you know, close to there. Uh, I think it comes down to Arnold's event or here with the players. And I think there is a little bit of pressure. Tiger, this is the players' championship. We really need you to represent, but I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I don't know how he feels publicly about Jay Monahan, how he feels publicly about the recent 
merger, about how so many other of these great players are not going to be a part of it because they're now with the live. John Rom, you got to respect John Rom. John Rom made no issue about it. He said, listen, I won the Masters last year. It affected my live decision. It makes me in a scenario where I'm guaranteed to play in the Masters for the rest of my life. I'm, I, I've qualified for the United States Open until the year 2031, right? If you want to keep me out of the players, you want to keep me out of the players' championship uh, or out of the PGA championship, fine. Uh, but it got off for $300 million. I, I admire his honesty. Uh, the event going on beginning tomorrow is all of a sudden scary. In Phoenix, I mean, we got into it earlier in the week. Number four in the world, Victor Hovland, not going to play. Number five in the world, Xander Schauffele, not going to play. So. Bad weather, too. Yeah. I think this year's players will be unaffected, and I hope it is. Because I think people just want to go for the party and want to go for the event. I'll be there. $25 million is the purse Scotty Sheffield wanted a year ago. Absolutely. I will be there. There's no doubt. Uh, but, you know, there was a time, 48, 49 of the top 50 were always at the players. And that's no longer going to be the case. All right. Uh, should we do this now or on yeah, the other we side? Can do it. Let's get to, uh, I, I teased it earlier. I, I, I want to get into this a little bit. Uh, I think Trevor's answered it the right way. I, I don't, I would not give him an extension right now. I just wouldn't. I, I would try to address other areas, but the NFL Network asked him about that and his relationship with general manager Trent Palky. We have a little bit better communication than, than glances the whole way. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's you know, I'm it's something I'm not I'm not concerned with. Obviously, um, I would love to 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 get a deal done at some point, whether it's this year, or next year, who knows? I'm not really worried about that. But obviously, you want to you want to have some security and have. You want to make money. You want to, you want to play and, and, and do as well as you can. But at the same time, um, I know I have a job to do regardless, whether I get the extension this year, next year, whenever it is. Um, I have the same job to do. It's not going to change. I got to I got to prepare myself to be the best player I can be next season and, and take us as far as, as we can go. So I know that that's my job and that's not going to change. So I just leave that up to my team and um, our front office and Trenton and, and everybody to kind of talk about that and, and figure out what's the best step moving forward for the team first, obviously, and then, then myself as well. You know, you gotta you gotta look out for yourself too. But I understand that there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just about about me and my situation. You know, we want to put our team in a good good spot to have success moving forward. So a lot that goes into it that I'm not even gonna think about because it's it's not. You know, I gotta play football. I got a job to do, and that's not that's not my job. Yeah, I just said I appreciate the honesty of John Rom. I I appreciate the honesty there, of Trevor Trevor Lawrence, saying, yeah, I want to make the money. Yeah, I want to be secure. But you know, let's do the right thing. He can play this year, year four of his rookie deal, $11.7 million. Um, the fifth-year option, yes, that has to be picked up by the Jaguars. The, the fifth-year option is just a smidge over $21 million, right? If you were to not pick up the fifth-year option and put a franchise tag on them, it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 million dollars so it makes obvious sense uh to pick it up and, and we'll see what they end up doing with Travis Etienne as well you know the deadline for a fifth year option 
uh, let's see. It is uh, yada yada. I wrote it down here at. Uh, ah, I thought I had it. Okay, I thought it was in the mid part of um, of March uh, when that actually did take place. Uh, I don't know. I lost it. Uh, uh, actually, it's May second. Yeah, yeah, May second. My bad. Okay, May second. So you got, you know, it's February what seven? You, you've got, got a few, few months. months. But I'm at, without quite. I mean, why wait? I, I guess they will because that's just the way they do things. But why would you wait? I, I would get that done. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though. To you know, what do you do with Travis Etienne? Do you pick up his fifth year option? I'd be shocked if they were all willing to give him a long term contract extension just because there's no value at the running back. There's none league wide. All right, appreciate that. Uh, Much more to do. Take you up until 8 o'clock tonight, and that's the case again tomorrow and Friday, 6 to 8, throughout the remainder of the week. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Nick Saban to ESPN's Game Day. Uh, the release said that Lee Corso was still a part of it. I, I just, you know, I, I, I honestly, I know nothing about this because I just don't see how it makes that much of a difference. But apparently, it does, and I've learned more certainly on the Taylor Swift um, results. Nick Saban, I think, would be very good. I told you I left ESPN years ago. I just can't take it anymore. I found myself watching Urban Meyer and Fox. I think it's a better product. Um, you know, I, I despise Dr. Herbie. You're aware of that. Desmond Howard never goes outside the box. Desmond Howard knows he's going to get a free meal if he picks the home team. Uh, I actually like David Polk a little bit, but they say goodbye to him, right? Now, you bring in the McAfee deal, and I, he's a monster. He makes, what, $25, $30 million a year. I really don't get it. The times I've listened to him, he's good. He is good. But, um, you know, I'm a little – just maybe I don't understand. I, I miss the old days. Reese Davis is, is awkward, you know, it, Reese Davis is the type of guy who I, I was sure he had his lunch money beaten out of him at least four days a week when he was in high school. I mean, you can just look at him and tell that that's, that's the difference. Uh, and then Lee Corso, man. I mean, I, I know it's a novelty, but come on. You know, there was a time that Vince Scully had to get away. There was a time that Ernie Hardwell had to get away. This SEC crowd, you guys pillaged Vern Lundquist. You didn't want him anymore. You didn't want Brent Musburger anymore. You know, Lee Corso, he doesn't give you anything anymore. I mean, I know putting on the headgear is cool. And I'm a, I'm a Lee Corso guy. How could I not be? But, I mean, enough is enough, right? You think Saban makes a difference? You think he brings eyeballs there or it stays around the same? Yeah, I I haven't watched game day in a long time, but I it, I would be more likely to check out a little bit now than I would if it was just the same cast of characters. Absolutely, I think there's definitely 
you know, fresh blood is needed on that show. And I think he's going to be good. I think Belichick's going to be badass. I'm excited for both those guys. I'm not a pregame show watcher. Like you said, you watch Fox. I don't watch any of it. I watch a tad bit. I don't get up for it. Yeah, it's just if I'm not around. for me. Yeah. I, I, like, I very rarely do. But I will. I would check that out. But there was a point in my life, like certainly the seven years that I was in Chicago, that the ESPN game day on Saturday was uh, can't miss television. Absolutely. I'd get up like to watch it. Almost like baseball tonight. You know, when you had Peter Gammons and Harold Reynolds Loved and, it. and uh, Paul Ravitch. Yeah. I mean, it was can't miss. I, I just don't. There's so many different. Pl- the, now, that show, the reason it doesn't exist anymore is because there's so many places yeah. to get highlights. Yeah. But to me, game day really is just like it's tough for me to watch Corso. You know, he's only there for a few segments of the show, but I don't know. It just got old for me. Uh, then, then they started, you know, editing what signs were allowed in, and I'm just like, dude, this is yeah. so corporate ESPN, man. At least McAfee's fun. I, I tell you, uh, what's going to be big? Apparently, every outside of Nate Burleson. I think everyone on the CBS set, their contract is is coming to a close. For the NFL. Mm-hmm. There's talk that Burleson could replace James Brown. And you could see guys like Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason. Um, Who do they have, Marino? Bill Cowart. No, Marino actually was replaced a few years ago. Dude, they have like 12 guys they on do. the desk. Burleson's a star. They'll give them like three seconds each to break down a you know a game it's yeah they need less people see this is another example like good morning football now i don't get out of the rack as early as most of you but when <laughs> I, when i do you catch I, the replay uh, yeah i would watch that 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 show is nowhere near as good as it once was with the loss of nate burleson and Kay adams that's just fact you know Kyle Brant's a what's your favorite color type of guy. Do you like cats or dogs? Yeah, he was on The Real World. <laughs> you know, do you like chocolate or vanilla? I mean, that's, that's... I think Schrager's worse than him. Oh, he's terrible. And he's, <laughs> trying to, he's, he's trying to grow a beard. He's so soft. Oh, I haven't seen he, He's that. so lumpy. <laughs> I mean, it's just no. I mean, I can't grow facial hair. Just, just listen, man. Stay the way you are, right? You know, you... You're you're like you're like the remake of Chris Collinsworth. Everyone's your buddy. I was about to Everyone's say. Everyone's your friend. He never criticizes you anyone. You only say nice things about everyone. And and I was sitting today with the GF. We're watching it, and literally right in front, of, I'm like mute. Whenever he talks, I'm just hitting the mute. It, the guy just drives me. And she's like, well, he picks like every Super Bowl. Didn't we pick this? Didn't you and I pick this? We, no, I got to go back I, and look. I picked the Chiefs to beat the Cowboys. I thought I had Chiefs. You might I, have. Give me one second. If, if, do you have that? Because if not, I know I have it in uh, in my office. Uh, I don't have it here. I thought I picked Kansas City over San Francisco. Do you you mean- might have. That was a popular one this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 30-50 set I wanted to get into, I just don't have time. Hackers here saying that uh, this team needs to address running back, either in free agency or the draft. I disagree. I absolutely disagree. 
you have a final year out of Travis Etienne, and you've got a second year out of Tank Bigsby. I think Bigsby showed a couple of things late in week 18 and week 17, you know, the last two games, game 16 and 17. There's just way too many other things that this football team needs to do. He says, bring me in King, King Henry. No, I, I don't think they want to pay that amount of money for a one-year contract. And, any luck? Yeah, I have bad news for you. Oh! You did pick the Niners to make the Super Bowl, but you picked them to lose to the Bengals. I picked Cincinnati. Nobody yeah. saw that coming, though. I tell you what no one saw coming was my college football national champion. The Bayou Bengals from LSU. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Pack of those dreams came to an end in Orlando when Jordan Travis and the boys lit them up. It was a great game to start the college football season. It was interesting. You picked Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl. Great minds think alike, and apparently you and I do as well. I had Cincinnati and Philadelphia, so you did way better than I did. My At least one of my teams made the playoffs, but then they were routed on wild card weekend. Well, one of the most interesting questions is who's the next one? And, and Brock Purdy was never part of that conversation. It's yeah. always been Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lawrence, uh, Prescott, uh, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. I mean, there's eight or nine quarterbacks that we mentioned – Brock Purdy's never really been that guy. And uh, this is something I've been thinking about. I brought it up a little bit last night. I wonder, and I'm guilty of this as well because I'm picking Kansas City to win, but I wonder if we've forgotten how good San Francisco is when they're playing well. You could argue Green Bay outplayed them, yet the 49ers won the game. I think Detroit, no question, outplayed them, yet the 49ers won the game. So they're lucky to be here. If they put it all together, they could very easily beat Kansas City but, Rick, they can't fall behind, man. You fall behind the Mahomes and the Chiefs, Andy Reid's not going to make dumb mistakes like Dan Campbell. That's Mm-mm. You're not going to come back on them. Um, did you see some early games that are scheduled for next year? Because uh, we just mentioned that Florida State-LSU game. In college. Florida, yeah. Florida State's in trouble. But you got Florida-Miami. I also believe early on you have Texas-Michigan. Isn't Georgia-Clemson next year, too? Um, I believe it is. Yes, to both of those. Right? Uh I see Oregon, Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. I see Michigan going to Washington. I see, um, uh, let's see here, LSU, USC. That's crazy. And, and that's In the, Vegas, and by that, the way? That's the 12-team playoff. And I know these games were scheduled in advance, but a loss now doesn't necessarily kill you like it would in a 14-team playoff. In fact, two losses may not kill you. Three losses probably do. But I think it's good for college football that you're going to see more of these games. And I'm for that. I never understood, Rick, the outcry for Florida fans. Oh, let's play the best. There was no need to do that. Because you lose one game and you were in trouble, particularly with that SEC schedule. At least now with 12 teams making the playoff, you can afford a loss or two and still get you to your ultimate goal. So because of that, I think you'll see more and more of these big-time uh interconference matchups. Yeah, you're going to have some whining from the non-power four now, not five, because the Pac-12 has been uh, diminished. But I I think it's going to be really, really hard for a non-Big 12 in Atlantic Coast Conference champion to grab one of these at-large bids. I mean, we saw the influence last year. Now with this new app that is apparently going to be here by the fall, I I think two lost teams, 
maybe even one with an enormous street cred, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, if they have a third loss, but it's, you know, in a championship game and they lose by a field or something like that, are they going to get a better look than a Texas Tech would or a Louisville would by finishing 11-2 or 11-1 in those two conferences? And that'll be the interesting thing, what the committee decides to do. But isn't it great? The you and I are sitting here talking about a 12-team. Oh, it's it changes everything. College football playoff. It's going to be the best college football season that we've probably ever had, and again, the longest. You and I talked about it. Florida State kicks off on August 24th, yeah. right in Dublin, Ireland, against Georgia Tech, and the season doesn't end until January 20th. Right. You got five months of college football. Uh, when the it's season gonna, it's going to be crazy. And, and the best part about that too is there'll still be complaints about Team 13. But it's not like Team 5, right. and it's not like it was with Team 3. Chances are Team 13 is going to get knocked out of that thing. Well, that's why Pretty the early. committee probably left Florida State out, yeah. because that'll never happen again. Yeah, it was In the history of college situation. football, right. it'll never happen again, so they didn't have to answer it. There was no precedent or anything. It's the only time it will ever happen now, because Florida State would obviously have gotten in under a 12-team format. All right, what else we got tonight? Obviously, we'll do a little bit of college football. We always do on Hacker After Dark. Leon Searcy joins me, as he does every week. And I know you did a little draft talk earlier. I'm going to start mine up as well. Shane Hallam of Draft Countdown. That's one of my go-to websites this time of year. Always love DraftCountdown.com. We'll get him on. We're going to talk about the draft, Rick, but more so tonight, I want to talk about Trayvon Walker and Anton Harrison and Devin Lloyd and some of the young Jaguars that Shane scouted and just get his thoughts from a draft Nick perspective on those guys' first couple of years in the league and how he sees them moving forward. Not right, Hack. Have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. That's coming up right now. Hacker Nation right here uh, beginning in just a couple of minutes. All right. I don't check the text line now that the show is over, as I say each and every night. But if you do want to get a hold of me, as always, the best way to do so is on Twitter, Blue1010XL. Thank you to Cody Carpentier for joining us. I appreciate uh, him tonight. Uh, he was with Roster Watch, uh, which is uh, uh, a nice draft website as well. The Philly Godfather live from Las Vegas. And, of course, J.J. LaSalva. My name is Rick Ballou. Have an outstanding night. I will talk with you tomorrow at 6 o'clock.